Hello, and welcome to the Outlier Podcast, the podcast for everyone who is interested in building better homes. My name is Anthony, and I am the founder and lead designer of Outlier, and I'm passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. I sit down regularly to chat with industry experts to help educate Australians about the potential of creating healthy, comfortable, and energy-efficient homes. Whether you are looking to build your forever home, renovate your existing house, or simply eager to learn more, tune in every month wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you join us on this journey. This is episode 18, and in this two-part episode, we chat with Brian from iSmart Building Group and Simon from Melbourne Sustainable Homes, two of the seven directors of Sustainable Builders Alliance. We discuss the ins and outs of SBA, zero carbon homes, and the educational content they provide and look to substantially grow into the future. We also touch on personal growth and the positive impacts SBA has had for both our guests. It's a must listen for those looking for a reliable educational source on building better that will continue to provide an evolving wealth of knowledge. I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit more about your own personal journeys in this and maybe if you could share some feel-good moments or some aha moments or things that have maybe encouraged you and what you're doing in your own businesses to keep going or or develop further in different directions. And I I know, Brian, you're quite passionate with Passive House and it'd be great if you could touch on that and how that all came to align as well. Um, I guess feel-good moments. Uh, uh, Personally, I would have three feel-good moments in SBA, which you know, they were very personal. So the first one is, um, Simon, you'll remember this. Years ago, uh, I had a really, really tough time in the business, like a very tough time. COVID hit and it, it, it knocked us for six and I almost lost the business. It was very, very close. Um, and I, I asked the guys in a meeting, I said, look, guys, I'm out. I'm, I, I got to leave. I, my attention needs to be elsewhere. So um, I left and I left for uh, maybe the guts of two and a half months or so. Mm-hmm. And I came back into a meeting. I had straightened the business out and, you know, I worked day and night. As we do, we're, we're small business owners. We all go through these problems. Um, straightened the stuff out, saved the business. Wasn't fully saved, but back on a track where I could get my head back into the, you know, to my additional stuff. And I came back to a meeting and it was like I never left. And that was a really feel-good moment for me to come back in and I was accepted back in. And nobody asked me, like, what happened? They just said, how are you? How's things? You know, are you okay? Do you need anything? And we moved on. That was it. And for me, that was a really feel-good moment because I felt now I'm back part of something again. You know, I've got, you know, all the other stuff that I do is, is you know, it's it's got a focus and it's got an end goal. You know, you are you have a business, you have to make that business because you need to make a wage, put food on the table, feed your family, keep a roof over their health. The SBA is different. The SBA is my karma, right? And it's my, my feel-good personal thing that i do for myself right that's i don't know how to describe that but that's how i box it off that's well described yeah yeah so when i came back after those two and a half months and it was a long slog it was really difficult i felt like a big weight lifted off my shoulders it's like wow oh my god it's good to be back it's good to be back with the boys have a bit of banter and then now let's get focused back into what we're doing that was probably my my biggest feel-good moment i think out of sba so on a personal level um, second to that, it would be the launch night's probably a close second. Um, really, really, really fantastic. I, I, I got on a plane and flew over, didn't know what to expect, and it was incredible. The, the 
the reception we got, the the feedback we were getting, you know, I'm in Perth and I just, you know, you go through the daily grind, you do what you do and you don't realize what you're actually achieving. You never stop and take stock. You know what I mean? That night for me was a big night where there was the realization that Jeremy actually said it on the stage. He got up and when he, at the start of his speech, he said, shit, I thought I was the only one. And that was that was a very, very good line. I don't know how many people have commented on that. There was, I don't know, was there 200 people there, Simon? There would have been the guts yeah. of 200 people, maybe more. It was a true testament to what we're actually doing. And it was a great real realization, personally, for me that we are actually achieving. Yeah. So those two would be top of the list. I'd say but the third one was probably um, the sponsorship. So without any advertisement, we filled all of the... Um, the founding members sponsors in two weeks for me that was you know that's just cemented the fact that all that hard work you're doing guys you are actually making a difference and the heavy hitters are backing you in yeah so for me that was a very it was a real feel-good moment that one that personally it's when you get the monetary value behind what you're doing and you get people backing in and believing you especially heavy hitters there's a lot of heavy hitters in those in those first 10 and it wasn't a small amount of money so yeah, that was a feel-good moment for me. I guess that's my three. Yeah, I mean, Simon? I'm feeling good after hearing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew you'd nail that, Brian. <laughs> I, I, there, there's plenty more to add, but those three points, you know, it's hard to go past. The, the launch night was exceptional. I don't think – I think we're all hoping that it would be great, but none of us were really sure of, of, of you know, the, the support that we would actually have. But, but again – the show of support, as Brian mentioned, throughout the founding sponsors was overwhelming. It was like, wow, um, you know, these big conglomerates getting on board and and not just conglomerates that are just, you know, greenwashing, yeah. conglomerates like Wholesome, you know, that are putting their money yep. where their mouth is and creating a product, you know, carbon neutral concrete, like, is this a, you know, is this a unicorn? Um, it's pretty phenomenal. It's been, it's, it's been an amazing ride. <laughs> um Sustainable well, Builders of Clare and Sustainable Builders Alliance to this point, uh, a challenging ride. And but there's look, there's yeah, it's clear with the support, especially uh, this past year, uh, there's a real thirst for it and a real need for it. And clearly, with our climate challenges, uh, there is a great yeah, there is a real need for it. I mean, did you, I did, where did you think this would be five years ago? Or was it when was its inception at Builders of Clare? 2019 yeah, was when 2019. I got. 2019. Yeah. yeah. Did you even think that this would ever end up to this point here where you've created something that could potentially be one of the most um, informative um, resources in our industry, in this country? Personally, I did. Ah, I love it. <laughs> I've said this several times. Um, uh, the first meeting I went into, I wasn't, because as a small business owner, your time is valuable, right? Um. After I listened to the first webinar and I got in touch with the boys and then I said, right, I'll go to the first meeting. I'll see what it's about and then I'll make a decision on whether I'm going to continue. And I couldn't decide after the first meeting. And then I went to the second meeting. And after that second meeting, I knew all in. Yeah. I said, this is going to go. This is absolutely going to go. There is six other guys in the room and they're all very like minded. There is no bullshit in the meetings. There is. We are on a mission. How we get there is, you know. It's, it's, it's almost like we're on a train, right? We're the, we're the loco drivers at the very front of the train. And for four years, there's been nobody in any of the carriages. 
we've just been <laughs> plowing forward, pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And then all of a sudden on the launch night, we stopped at the station and all the carriages filled up. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. And now we're adding carriages. So we're just becoming a bigger train and a longer train. And we got more and more content that we're putting through and we're getting a better train, a bigger train and a faster train. And there's more people jumping on the carriages. That's It's kind of an analogy, maybe silly. I don't care, but... For me, that's what it feels like. It feels like a train, and now it feels like we're really starting to gather momentum, and it's going to be very hard to stop us, I think, at this point. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Well, great, yeah. There's a lot of momentum. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of momentum. Do you have anything, Simon, that you... Uh, I'd I'd have... I feel like a bit of a... uh, bit silly to think that I... uh, I don't really have any insight into it. I know that I would have thought something, but I don't know. I know where it can go now. I don't. Yeah. I think the sky's the limit. Honestly, I'm actually talking with Jeremy Spencer's um, wife at that at the launch, and she goes, like, she was like a bit, like, well, where to now? Like, this is this is huge. Where to now? And we're like, don't know. But there's so much capacity and so much um, room for improvement. It's it's yeah. phenomenal. You know, like I'm chair of these meetings, but I have very little experience <laughs> in chairing a meeting. And I, I'm, I'm applying my time now. I've looked at the Australian Institute of Directors to try and figure out how to best to run a meeting. Like Brian's talking about now, they're no bully. I want to get them even more no bully. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because it is a challenge to get, well, you know, like this is like our second job to get, clarity around uh i suppose the consequences of of decisions that we're going to make that's a real challenge for us at this point and um did you just say second job simon (laughs) aren't you a small business owner what do you mean don't you already have seven jobs yeah well there you go (laughs) i know there's a charity there as well so i don't even want to (laughs) yeah you know what if you don't mind i mean you're both a massive influence on sba and the direction it's going in i'd love to maybe just have a bit of a quick discussion around you both individually in your businesses and and where you're taking this in your your own businesses as well because i mean it's not like you're just doing sba and then just not applying that in your own businesses so it might be really insightful to sort of just touch on that as well i am an avid passive house builder right uh staunch and when you jump in the trenches of passive house you don't leave you like anyone that's in passive house you can't you do it right and once you do it right you can't go back um i would say if anything i have been educated more through SBA than I have through Passive House. So there's now more of an understanding for me personally that, you know, as good as Passive House is, it is not the answer. We're not going to get there by just using Passive House. We need to be open-minded and we need to consider the rest of the industry. That for me was one of the biggest things that SBA has taught me. It's, you're not just the elitist Passive House industry. You, you, you eventually will change the industry and the industry, the national construction code will come towards passive house. But at the moment, that's, that's, that's long-term thinking. How do we change the industry short-term? That for me personally. So I'm not every house I build now is passive house. Previously it was every single home I built was an airtight passive house home. Every single one of them had HRV. Now two of the six builds I have at the moment, two of them are passive solar design. So they're high-performance timber frame. And by listening to Jeremy and by, by being educated, like with the information that's coming through, that there is so much more that we can do. 
for the industry right now rather than bang the drum of passive house you know and i'm going to get in trouble for this but like i think the greater goal is is much more important than you know just staying in your lane i think we can't stay in our lane i think we need to move outside of that and i think with what we're doing with sba i think that's one of the levers that we can pull to actually make change we all have knowledge like everyone in the passive house industry has a huge amount of knowledge right why can't we share that knowledge to make sure that we have you know um I guess risk mitigation in the industry. Let's use the knowledge from Passive House to risk mitigate in the mainstream industry to bring their performance up without having leaky building syndrome and all this other kind of yeah. stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that where I was conflicted for a while, you know, in SBA, I was really conflicted. But if we can have seven people, three of which are Passive House and the other four that are not, like I wouldn't say they're not, they're just, they're not adopting those principles right now. And that's fine. But to have seven people that that can agree in a room, then for me, that tells me, right, well, the industry obviously needs this information. How do we get this knowledge out? And how do we risk mitigate so that we don't have issues and problems later? How do we make sure that we have healthy buildings? I, I, I think for me, that's one of the biggest things about us as we move forward. I, I think personally, that's how, how I describe that or how I deliver that. I don't know, but I know that SBA is the starting point. Yeah, I mean, just the power of education. Yeah, as you mentioned, absolutely. educated with a broad perspective in a room of like-minded, or you know, I guess everyone's got that like-minded outcome. And yeah, mm. what was it like for yourself, Simon? Like, how did for your own business? You know, where where did you come from, and where are you going? Yeah, to touch on Brian's point as well. Yeah, Brian coming from a specialist passive house builder, you know, an exceptional passive house builder. We've I, we never um, dived into the passive house, or not never, but never went all the way. We, we adopt the principles yep. to, to a point uh, loosely, but we're more a passive solar design um, building firm, and we specialise in renovations of heritage homes within inner city Melbourne. So that's our bread and butter of um, you know, bringing these old rundown homes that everyone's you know, lived in in Melbourne, I think, you know, leaky, cold, terrible winters, um, bringing them up to a really, you know, a world-class standard. You know, we, we, we often would do a blower door test. We, we don't we don't really want to get it any lower than fives because it's very very rare that we sort of put in a HRV. Um, but the early days, uh, uh, builders declare when we uh, have the webinars, you know, I, I'd invite all the, our team to watch the webinars and they all got a, a lot from it. But uh, well, I certainly was getting asked of how can we incorporate that more into the business and sort of a little bit cha- like it was challenging at the time. I, I, but I feel like now with the Sustainable Bills Alliance, you know, the website, it's it's there for all to see. I, I know a couple of our lead chippies are, you know, reading through it. They're, they're using it as it is now, like as a course, like as a document. I was stoked to hear about that. But I do look forward to being able to implement it more into the business. And I think if we can, um, you know, that roadmap, it's like an encyclopedia for sustainable homes. And and if we can chunk that down and make that more digestible, even for, for, you know, for carpenters and even plumbers and electricians, you know, breaking it down to those trades, um, 
well, that'll make Brian and myself's lives a lot easier, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> yeah, when you got trades that know what they're doing, yeah, uh, your, your life's a hell of a lot Yeah, easier. I mean, is there even a resource available for individual trades who are focusing on this? Jeez. Not that I'm aware of. No. Yeah. Nah. God, I just, that's something we receive. It's not like they don't exist. We have lots of trades who are generally interested in, in what we're doing and want to learn more, but it's kind of challenging to be able to send them in a direction that's specific to what they do in their day-to-day. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd be great to be able to have a resource that we, even we would, we would just be like, go check that out. It's there for yeah. you to, to read and educate and learn. So um, I was going to ask you it's what coming. you're both individually most excited about in the future. But I think we've spoken a lot about those things. So if you've got anything further, you know, you'd like to mention as well that, um, you know, is really hot, like lighting you both up uh, into the future. Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look too far ahead. Yeah, great. You want to do some fishing, play with the kids. <laughs> now, but Brian, you touched on it earlier, making sustainable and energy efficient homes mainstream. Yeah. It, it, it Like this... I've been running this sort of thought process in my head and, and maybe it's dumb, but we can we can blow up the world. We've got enough nuclear bombs to blow up human civilization, but we've got humans freezing in their homes. Yeah. Like so we've got this technology that can end the world, but but we're not making the world comfortable. Like you'd think that doesn't make sense. Clearly there's just gone too much effort in, in war. <laughs> Too much, too many resources have gone to there, and not enough to actually how humans are living. And um, and it's simple, simple stuff. Like once you know how to build a sustainable, comfortable home, it's really simple stuff that we're just not applying. So I look forward to the day where, you know, it is mainstream and, and it's just standard. You know, and everyone's living in, you know, lovely, comfortable homes. Uh, I think we all want that. I'd, I'd also hate to see that pie chart. I'm glad analogy you just described. <laughs> It'd be a fairly small yeah, uh, for human comfort levels in, in homes. Yeah. But we know we all know what drives that. We all know what drives that. Oh, we Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So there's this the final question for you both before we part. Um, but it's something we ask all our guests. And uh, it, the question is, is there anything that you would want to change in the National Construction Code? And what is it? Or maybe just in industry in general? Who wants to go first? Uh, Brian's all over these <laughs> yeah. He's uh, been thinking about this for years. Look, I will say um, it is changing. It's a bit slower than we would like it to be, but at the same time, it's not something that we can change overnight. Again, to harp on about what I said earlier, um, I now understand that you know a passive house is is it's okay when you're in there and you're doing it and it's fine. But when you are at the bottom of the ladder, or not at the bottom of the ladder, that's the wrong term, but Everybody needs a home. So if you're a 20-year-old or 21-year-old apprentice and you need to buy a home, it needs to be affordable, right? Yeah. Passive house is not affordable for that person. It's just not a reality. So if we go back to the basics and we say first home buyers or greenfield buyers, that's what we need to fix. Yeah. That there is what we need to fix, okay? <clears throat> now, if we look at the trajectory of the National Construction Code, it's heading in the right direction. Absolutely. We can see the five passive house principles are in the code now. They're not mandatory, but they're in there. So that means the trajectory will be that one day they will all be mandatory. Yeah, we know that. That's going to happen eventually. For me, the thing is risk mitigation, right? It seems like they're doing what they're, you know. All, all I would say is I, need, I would like to see, in the words of Jesse Clark, I would like to see um, moisture management and waterproofing in the same office. Yeah. 
those two guys need to talk to each other. Okay, if they talk to each other and they understand what they're doing and they understand where the industry is at, we shouldn't have an issue, right? We'll have an adoptive process that will take time and eventually everyone will have houses like they have all over Europe. It's just, it's just going to take time. So is there one thing I would change in the code? No, not necessarily. I would say the, they're on the right track. Let's just mitigate the risk, I would think. Yeah, and no, then, that's fair to say. Yeah, like for me, that's what it is. Anthony, I think you advocate for this one as well, but the as-built verification. Yeah. Yeah, that just seems such an obvious. And that, they don't even have to that, – that could happen tomorrow. And that, it doesn't mean they have to get it 100% right, but just to keep accountability for builders and, and developers. Uh, and it doesn't need to be every home either. Like, like the plumbers are checked here in Victoria, they check you know, sort of a lottery, you know, um, they, uh, they put in their you know, work ap application, whatever it is, certificate, um, wait around the inspection may or may not happen. Um, I think that would be a, a good starting point. And, and, and it, I think it would reveal really the state of the industry, you know, do some blower door tests on on some of these homes and, and see where they are at. Um, might be, who knows? Yeah. I, I won't yeah, speculate no, on Brian touched on it as well. And this and I have previously, but the, the first rate five certificate that's coming out with the um assessments now does have that as a verification checklist in there. So, again, it's not mandatory, but it's there now. Yeah, and what does that mean for the future? So, it will be, yeah, yeah. The only other thing I would comment is something I would love to see every optimist. Um, I would love to see some kind of LCA introduced as mandatory, so every single home from 2025 should have an LCA. Because we, we need to know what we're building. We need to know what our carbon footprint is moving forward. We can't get to 2050 and say, oh, let's start counting our carbon right now. That's, that doesn't work. So yeah. E2 will ha now have, have like an app or a quick system. Relatively inexpensive, really straightforward. They could start with that. That could be part, let's say 2025, by the end of 2025 or January 2026, every new home built or every new construction construction um project must have lca i i would love to see that because then we can actually see data of what we're doing and how poorly we're performing yeah and we can improve on that i i think that's something like we've spoken about this i don't know many times simon in our meetings mm -hmm. like we would love to have some kind of a carbon count system on sba um mm -hmm. i don't know how we do that we're it's in very very early days it's in its infancy like everything else but i think as as a country we need to step in and start acknowledging that we, where we are right now and how do we improve? Well, we improve by putting this in, in front of people so they know. Well, the only way to do that is to actually collect the data. If we don't start collecting the data, then we're, we're going around in circles, aren't we? Yeah, and I, would, I will name Rapid LCA and, and a few other tools that are out there that are very easy to learn. Um, yeah. Very um, like it, it can be part of the CDC process. Yeah. You, like, as part of your certificate design compliance process, you must have an LCA. Yeah, you they're not I mean? time consuming everyone either. Listening, it's it's like I say, it's, they're very no. straightforward. It's just nice another easy. professional, yeah. and it's three hundred bucks. I, I yeah, I just don't see it. And then further to that, I would say in twenty twenty eight or twenty twenty nine, there needs to be some kind of um, carbon offset program, like. There has to be so that you, regardless of what you're building, you need to be zero carbon. And it's again, that's not that hard. 
it's easy for me to say because I'm sitting in a chair and I only build timber frame homes, right? So if we use 18 cubic meters of timber, then we replant 36 cubic meters of timber. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's offsetting. So we're, we're carbon zero, even though if you do an LCA, we're, we're carbon neutral anyway. But we need to be the opposite direction. We need to... We, we need to, you know, really speed up the process. I can see a few more educational uh, guides on SBA here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, Simon, we sort of digressed there as well, but was there anything that you further that you thought that you'd want to change in the NCC or maybe just in industry at this time? No, I, I think Brian's hit the nail on the yeah. head there, but I, yeah, again, that is as built verification. I'd love to see that. Yeah, well, uh, and but I think also on the data, on the data, the LCA, it, it's it's pretty astounding that you know, if humans are good at anything, we're good at we've collected so much data. Um, so I think that would be, I mean, if you don't know what you're aiming for, how can you hit it? So to to collect that data and be able to aim for um, you know zero carbon homes at whether it's twenty eight or twenty nine or or twenty thirty. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Well, that's another really thing great. that we're very, very fond of here, and that's data collection. We've got <laughs> countless uh, sensors in in our builds, and you know, basically giving us live data back on exactly how they're performing, so that we can just better, you know, educate ourselves and what works and what doesn't, and and make those fine tune adjustments moving forward. So we'll probably share a few mm. fair bit of that information with some case studies on our own website and things moving forward in the near future. But um, yeah, it's I totally agree. It's that data collection is what we use to look back in that historical format to drive our direction forward in the future. So, mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Any final thoughts at all, Brian and Simon? Uh, thanks for having us on, man, and thanks for what you do. You guys are, yeah, you're, you're pushing hard the same as us. We're we're all aligned in what we're trying to achieve here. There's, you know, for me, I've got about twenty odd podcasts I listen to, and uh, you know, you guys are in the top six. It's like we're we're all pushing for the same goal here. So. I know Hamish referred to us as a, as a guerrilla organization a few years ago. I, I could safely say I don't think we're that anymore. I don't think we can be called an underground guerrilla association anymore. Um, but it is those groups. And there's plenty of us out there. We keep pushing. We keep, you know, keep getting that information, getting that knowledge out there. And you can see from SBA that it is making a difference. Absolutely, it's making a difference. Yeah, Simon. Any final thoughts at all? Yeah, I can. I, I, I can add to yeah, Brian. Yeah, thank you. And, and I'd love to see, as you mentioned, all that sensor, all that data. I'd love to really get some insight from that because I mean that's the way we're going to improve the homes that we build. So, yeah. Um, yeah well, just thanks for what you do. You're on. You're on board with us. We're all speaking from the same hymn book, as Brian would say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of SBA, and I truly believe that you will pave the way forward here for for a lot of our industry. And it's just as you said, just the beginning. And where this goes, I'm excited to see and follow along the journey. Um, I, I know I personally, you know, listen to your podcast as well, and and have learned a lot and absorb a lot of information from that. And then thank you both as well. Um, I wish you all the best with both your personal endeavours and with SBA in the future. You've got a fan here, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, <laughs> excited to see where this all goes for you. Thanks very much, Anthony. It's been good. Thanks, Anthony. Really good to have us on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Outlier Podcast. You can find helpful links and contact information regarding this episode in our show notes and on our website, outlierstudio.com.au forward slash podcast. If you like our show, please leave a review and make sure you subscribe to never miss a new episode. 
If you have further questions for us or would want to share some additional feedback, please feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time on the Outlier Podcast.